Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Anyhow, good morning again. I'm going to kind of continue from where I was last week. Like I said, I've actually, you know, this is becoming, this is, I've got electricity flowing in my veins lately. I'm not trying to sound weird. I'm just saying I can, God, I just feel God. So do you, we actually live in another realm and this has to strike you. It has to be more, I don't know. You know, I honestly, I keep searching for better words, more ways to communicate. I can't, I don't have words for what I'm seeing. And I mean that again, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I, but I, we live in a different realm. I mean, when we walk, when you walk outside, you know, the, all these, mo- the majority of these people are totally, they have no comprehension that there's a whole other realm. They have no idea. I mean, and God loves every single one of them. I mean, he loves every single one of them. Hopefully, I don't know how much of the scripture I can get through, but let me just say before I begin, I see I, I'm a teacher, but I don't want to just give you information. A lot of us have had a ton of information. We, we need it to be revealed, like I keep saying. We need the Holy Spirit to shine light on it and reveal it so that it's something that we can actually work and function with, okay? And uh, so I, I want it to be more than that. But our attitude really has to change. I, I want you to really hear this. Do you know, I mean, this book is your lifeline to the other realm. This is what opens the portals. This is what opens the doors. This is truly what transforms you from one place to another. This literally, it does lift you. I said it lifts you from here. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, it said that this wisdom has been designed by God. It's been designed by God to lift you higher and higher into his presence, to literally lift us. His wisdom has been designed to lift us into the glory of his presence. But you know what? You actually have to believe. And the thing is, believing is not as hard as the devil's made it seem. The devil is a liar. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. But every single verse, look, please hear me. It's not just quoting the verse. See, like I said, something has to click where we actually... These words that we have at our bestowal, that we have in our laps, many of us right now, or wherever it is on your phone, these words are, it says they've been breathed by God. Now, now really, really, they've been breathed by God. They're not just text. They're not just text. And what I mean is your attitude, really, you have to work for a while. You have to work with it until you actually realize this is holy. This stuff is sacred. It's eternal, even, because it was spoken from eternity. It was spoken into this realm to lift us into that realm. I said it was spoken into this realm to lift us into that realm. 
And all of this is part of a plan that I can't, I'm everywhere I look, you know, reading through all the epistles again. I mean, Paul says over and over again, remember seeing the greatness of this plan. Now listen to me. I want you to hear that. Everywhere he talks, he says, seeing the greatness of this plan that God has devised. God has made a plan. And I don't know if you can believe me with this or not, but God's plans are probably good. And I believe that God's plans work. I do. And I think he's got faith in his own plan. But as you begin to study, and I do mean study. See, this church is different. We're not called to be casual inquirers. We're called to be students. The call of my life is to disciple, not just cuddle. It, I'm just being honest. The call of my life, like Paul said about Philip when he went up to see the eunuch, he said, is to show you more accurately and clearly the way of the word, the way of the truth. And it's because we're called to be life changers, difference makers. Every single person, you have to begin to cultivate this, that you are a life changer. You have purpose. This is the thing that, as we were praying this morning, we do not want any passivity in our faith whatsoever. We don't want to be in neutral. God wants us in, in forward motion. You know what I mean? Hell's job is to keep you in neutral, however that may work. He has all these strategies that have worked in the past for us, but he wants you to just be passive. He wants you to be neutral. He does not want you to believe in the power and the strength and the force of Christianity, the force of our authority, because this stuff is heavy. There is no greater, there is no greater force. These are God-breathed. This is breathed by God. And it is, like it's, a, you know, it's, I'm quoting scripture, but I'm quoting what God said. This is profitable for instruction unto righteousness, unto what it means to be right with God, but what that's supposed to produce. I'm just going to give you, you know, I'm going to give you a summary even before I start. I'm going to go back to some scripture that I did last time. Because ultimately, I, what, this, what the plan is, when Paul speaks in Ephesians, and I'll get to some of it hopefully, the whole issue, remember, and this is why it really struck me last night when I was praying again about Israel. I'd never seen so clearly how important our part, our knowing who we are in Christ, I've never seen so clearly how part of God's master plan is that he really needs us to find out who we are in Christ so that we fulfill what he planned in that because that's what's supposed to call the remnant of Israel actually back to him. And Israel remains the apple of his eye. Now, like I said, I'm going to explain that more. But I mean, it is absolutely incredible. It's overwhelmingly important for us to to see the goodness of God, to really know he is that good. That he is this good, he's overwhelmingly good, that he's beyond good, and that he's that good. I mean, he's so good, he'll do this. Like, you know, that one passage, that one verse in Second Corinthians 9, 8 that they put up. I remember last week when I talked about how, you know, like even talking about cars, how God stopped me once in one place. And he said, do you think, remember I was talking about stuff? I said, you know, that do you think God cares about stuff? Remember, I got to repeat some of that. Stuff is stuff to God. He's outside. Remember, I keep saying that he's outside of time and space. He's he, he, ginormously, incredibly, 
You know, he's beyond huge. He's outside. He's outside. He's outside of everything. He's in this whole other dimension that's beyond measurement. It can't be measured. But in his great love, because he is love, he went, I'm going to make this. And he makes man kind on earth to display his love. And I love it. Like I said, and I'll read it again in, in, in Ephesians 1. It says he did it because he, I love it. He did this because it was his kind intent. But the living Bible says God did this because he wanted to. That just cracks me up. I'm sorry. You know, like I said last week, God has an attitude about being God. I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. But you and I actually waking up to how good he is. And what I started to say about that verse, and I just took it off, but it says, you know that one part of it, it says, and God who is able to make every earthly, earth, say earthly. Now, really, say earthly, really. Now, let your mind go to what earthly must make. He is able to make every earthly blessing like a new home. Like a new house, like a new place to work, like a wonderful church building with every need met that you can imagine. He's able to make every earthly blessing come to you in just a little teeny, teeny, mighty amount. Oh, come on. Julie just said we need, we're supposed to be awake in this church. No, I mean, can you... Can you actually believe that God could care less about earthly blessings because that's just, you know, he's outside of it. They carry no worth, remember? Brand new homes, brand new cars, all this. It doesn't, it doesn't carry worth to God. God doesn't need a car. Right? He rides, the, Scripture says he rides the winds for chariots. God doesn't need a house. And that's why he laughed when David said, I'm going to build your house. He said, the earth is my footstool and you're going to build me a house. I put my toe on earth. That's how big I am compared to this. And you're going to make me a house. Ha, 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 But again, none of that. But see, we have to actually, forgive me for the, like I said, I need better words. But I'm seeing finally more and more of just I, how big God is. But again, how big love is. That he, when he said, I'm able to bring every earthly blessing to you in abundance. Not just a little bit. I mean, you can have an abundance of earthly blessing. And, I, and he's actually saying, this is actually something I want to do for you. But like I said last week, but you have to have, the issue is always your heart attitude. But again, when you begin to see the why, the why he wants us to walk so strong in him, the why he wants us to walk in this authority, the why he wants you blessed above all people. And I'm telling you, you got to hammer that home. He wants you blessed above all people. It is not a joke with him. He knows what will attract the Jews. I'm just going to say it. Much less the rest of the world. 
So the whole thing on Ephesians, he hits it over and over again in all the Pauline epistles. He said, seeing the greatness of this plan where God has brought us all together, he said, the, the whole thing, he said, is that we are to come in to this fullness, and it just flat says it, to provoke Israel to jealousy. Right? Now, that's what it says. But see, it's, I can just quote that verse to you. But the depth of what he's trying to say through that is phenomenal. I mean, you've got to read the whole book of Romans about 14 times to begin to catch it, and Ephesians about 1,400 times to catch it. You really do. But this whole thing is still about God's chosen people. He sees in all through Isaiah that there are stubborn, a stiff-necked people. Don't matter what I do, I bless you, I bless you, I do this for you, I do this. To you have been given the promises, to you belong the patriarchs, to you belong the Shekinah glory, to you belong all this, and yet you just pushed me away, and you pushed me away, and you pushed me away. So this is what I'm going to do. I am going to make you jealous by a people that did not know me. I'm going to make you jealous by people that I'm going to call my sons and my daughters. I, and over and over again, I'm going to make you jealous by other nations. And Paul said, this is the great mystery, that the grace of God is going to come and cause all the Gentile nations, all of those that are not Jewish, to come in. And that is what's going to really provoke Israel to the point that they're going to say, this is crazy because we're seeing in their lives everything that we read about with Moses. Now, what I just said wasn't said very good, but what I just said was so important that it, it's, it's actually mind-blowing. And God just wants us to grab this all-earthly blessing. I'm able to make every favor, every, every, every earthly blessing come to you in abundance. And like I said again, I don't want to go too far because I, somebody here will still think I'm after a new car. But like I said, you know, God dealt with me and he said, do you think I love you enough to give you a new car? Do you think it makes you, it's just stuff. He said, I don't care. I don't care what stuff you have as long as you don't let the stuff have you. Remember? But, but see, he, I'm having to comprehend something. I'm not lusting after a new car. Like I said last week, and I feel like I need to repeat that. There's not, I'm, I'm not I'm just, that's just not who I am. Like I said, I'm repeating my, it's just not in my nature. It's not who I am. I'm not mm, obsessed about anything. Like I said, I'll drive that thing until I have to, whatever, have Julie push me around and uh, never mind. I'm not going to use the word. No, I will never do that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying, but see, he, 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 he's hitting me with this. He said, I've got to, I've got to break this stronghold in you. I've got to break this stronghold in you. You are still afraid of stuff. You still think that stuff, you better be careful about it. And if you're, if you're not afraid of it yourself, I guarantee you, you're afraid of what other people will think about you if you have stuff. You know what I mean? It is true. You know, if, you, if I drive up here in a brand new Bentley next Sunday, some of you are going to be upset. You know what I mean? You know, what's he doing with money? You know, where to get that from? But the thing is, God provides anything. He gives every earthly blessing in abundance for us to enjoy. But see, Rod is still having to deal with that. You've heard my testimony, some of it, when I was young. I was raised up with the poverty mentality and all that stuff. But see, I, I, it's, 
It's this thing, he wants me to get so beyond wanting something because I want something. He wants me to see it's okay for you to have anything if you'll understand why I want you to have everything. I'll, you know, if you can just understand, I'll give you everything because I need some people to show off about me. I need, I desperately need people that are going to, that know how to say, this is what my God does. But I mean, really do that. See, not just, man, I, I'm going to be, oh God, you give me a million pounds. I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody, it's, look what you did. Car first. I'm gonna get a, what am I going to get first? What am I going to get first? But remember last week I also said this. Everything, you see, everything about the world is get. Get, 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 get. And we don't mean it to be that way, but we live our whole life. We have careers. We plan university subjects by what I will be able to get from this education. We don't, and that's not wrong, but the point, what I'm trying to get at, the psychology of man is get, get, get. But see, everything about the kingdom is give, give, give. It's just totally, and this is like when, People got angry at Paul, and they said, these people who turn the world upside down are among us. God turns your world upside down. I said, upside down, 180 degrees. I no longer live for me. Jesus washed their feet, and he said, if you're going to follow me, you're obligated, you're under, you're under obligation, it's your duty to wash one another's feet. He's trying to communicate, I'm here Everything, this authority, this heavenly mission, everything about heaven is to serve, is to give. Everything, everything, everything is about giving. Giving love, giving wisdom, giving courage, giving compassion. Give, 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 giving peace. Wherever you go, like I said, when you walk into a room, compassion is supposed to walk into a room like I heard Johnson say a couple of months ago. Does compassion walk in when I walk in? Does love walk in when I walk in? Do people feel comfortable? Do they feel, do they smile when I walk into a room? Or do they kind of go, you know what I mean? Seriously, you know, and how, what, what, and what do people feel even? And see, this is the thing. God Almighty, our Father, he's, he wants, you remember in one place Paul says, so then fearing nothing from God. So then fearing nothing from God, basically you're able to go forward. But you have to get to that place where you realize there's, there's nothing to fear about Almighty God. We have now, Paul will say in Ephesians again, the whole thing is now we have access. We have freedom of access to Father himself, the Davidic tabernacle, not the Mosaic tabernacle. All of us have full freedom to come into the very presence of God. He wants it that way. He is a father. And the thing is, we are children, right? We're his children. If anybody has children, let me ask you, do your children like presents? Do they like gifts? Of course. I mean, it's just boom. It's the excitement is there. And so he knows. He knows. He loves to see you excited about a new present. See, but can you actually see that? And see, we've, I'm just trying to say, I'm, we're not talking about getting, like I just said. See, you've got to keep this thing, the balance is what it's all about. He could care less as long as you've got life balanced with heaven. This realm will dictate to you if you let it. 
won't it? I mean, this realm, what you're around seven days a week, what you're around when you're, if you're in the world, like, you know, we're all in the world to some degree. This world, I mean, you've got to live in it. And so I'm just saying it speaks to us all week long. This is why we have to hear it. We have to train ourselves to hear Father's voice more than this world's voice. I know you've heard that a thousand times, but I don't know how else to say it. The thing about staying in this book is it actually change does come. You, the freedom is here. In this stuff that he breathed, I said the freedom is here. The freedom from a bad thought life is here. Like I said, that's been one of the greatest gifts God's ever given me in the last three or four years of my life, to actually finally be free in my thought life. Hallelujah. And to be able to say it even publicly, I would have never been able to say that publicly years ago. But, you know, to, it's not to finally, you know, I made it so difficult. But see, we make everything difficult because we're human beings. And God says, it's a gift. Just think my thoughts. And you go, well, I can't do that. Well, yeah, you can because he said you can and you can and again, like you've heard me say, well, probably every Sunday, but it's just so spectacular to me. It doesn't mean bad thoughts don't come, but you just recognize that that's not me. That's not me thinking that. That's not me. So, you know, get, go, bye, see you. I'm a holy man. I'm a righteous man. I'm a blessed man. Anything, what, you know, I am who God, who God says I am. I better read some scripture. Hallelujah. What we read last week in Romans and Romans 3, I'm going to read a few verses really quickly so I can get down. But it is all about faith. Now, this is all, yes, it is about righteousness, about the fact that in Christ, how many of you are born again? I would pray that every single one of you actually are born from above. You're born again. You've accepted Jesus Christ as being the very Son of God. And you have made your decision. You believe that he lived a sinless life, that he died for you. For you, so you don't have to, that he took your punishment. He took your penalties. He took it all. He took, he took it on the cross so you don't have to. He paid your penalty, right? That's what Christianity is about. Jesus Christ, this man, God so loved us. He didn't love us. He so loved us. He gave his actual son to go through a horrific death. And again, you know the verse, if he... If the Father gave us his Son, how shall he not also with him freely give us any other thing? Hallelujah. See, you deserve anything as far as God. He's your daddy. And your daddy loves you. And that's what he, honest to God, you need a new house? He said, I'll give you a new house. He said, just be sure. He said, I just need to see in your heart that you're going to celebrate. That's all you're going to celebrate me. But see, now that comes into a whole other teaching that I can't go into right now. But I'll tell you what time. It just takes, we have, sadly, you and I don't realize, but see again, he lives outside of it. But here on this earth, it just takes a little time. And that's why Paul says, you, you faint in your mind. He said, my people, they faint because they try to figure it out. I said, you faint, you faint, you fall over, you give up, you let go of God's truth and word. You let the promise of God slip because you faint in your mind because you start thinking, thinking, thinking how something is going to work itself out. You're trying to figure it out. And the moment you're in your head trying to figure it out, you've left your spirit. 
and you have put yourself voluntarily in a place where confusion can come. But it takes time. I mean, and Abraham, of course, is the classic example. God gives him a promise, like he's given all of us these promises. And, you know, but it was many years. I think it was 12 years later. Remember, 12 years later that Isaac was born. 12 years. And then he goes, you know, just stuff. In here, let me, like I said, let me read something. But let's make sure we understand a few things. So I'm going to read from the Amplified again a few things that Paul said here. I'm going to read first in, in uh, Romans 3. I'm going to read verse, gosh, I just got a verse 26, Romans 3, 26. And he's, he's talking about how God caused Jesus to become the mercy seat for us and everything. And he says in verse 26 that he did all this to demonstrate and to prove at the present time in the now season that he himself is righteous and that he justifies and accepts as righteous him who has true faith in Jesus, right? Now, you, most of you raise your hands that you have faith in Jesus. So again, I'm just trying to say he desperately wants you to know that you have right standing with him, that there's nothing that you can ever do, ever future. There's nothing you can ever do to separate yourself from the love of God. Nothing. And now remember, let me throw it in again. Like I said, lest people start to freak out. Remember, I know what Romans 6 1 says. I'm going to read these quotes from Martin Lloyd Jones in a moment and Chuck Swindoll about grace and about that stuff. Remember Romans 6 1. Shall we then continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, certainly not. And so, what we're trying to get at, and I'm going to keep hammering this home until the Lord tells me not to. You, you know, if we actually begin to extol what God has actually done in Jesus, if we actually preach the gospel, the good news, it's not just news, it's good news. It's actually God news. It, it, came, from, it came from another place where everything is nice. <laughs> it came from there. If we actually preach what he's done, people, when they first hear it, well, because they're going to hear it from their worldly pattern of past living, they're going to hear, I can do anything I want, and God won't care. That's not what it happens. See, Romans 2, 4 says, again, this is a dividing line, foundational truth that you've got to get. Remember, he said, don't you understand? He said, are you shamefully, listen to the wording, are you shamefully ignorant of the fact that it is the goodness of God? It's intended to draw your hearts and minds to repentance, to accept God's will, right? Underline Funday, don't misunderstand. It's goodness. God thinks goodness will cause us to change. That's part of his plan. I'm going to be so good to you that you will not want to distance yourself from me. Surely they won't want to get away from me. If they see that whenever they get near me, all they get is blessed and they get more and more presents, more and more gifts, more and more whatever, because I could care less about stuff. They can have all the stuff they want as long as I got their heart. Do I have your heart? Do I have your heart? If I got your heart, I don't care about you know, anything. You can have a fleet of anything. You know, I'm considering a yacht ministry. I'll tell you. Places where Julie and I have been, the few places we've been, you know, portable news over there. 
in Spain and other some of the other places that where they have all you know Monte Carlo where they have all these multi multi million dollar yachts. Do you know that it is true? Those people need Christ too. And the funny thing is, God's got His people right in the middle of that crowd too. It's wonderful. I haven't, I don't know them, know them anymore, but we, I, well, maybe Julie says, I don't know, but there's, you know, people that I know that are multi, multi millionaires that live that life, but their whole life is to bring those people, the, the incredibly wealthy people to Christ because they are possibly the most difficult people to recognize need of any people on the planet. You know what I mean? The wealthy, the truly wealthy. This is again why some of us who have not had great wealth, it would just delight dad for you to have incredible wealth because you would value it. Right now there are multi-billionaires. They don't value money. They've never been without it. So, you know, it's like some of the we. Let's be honest. We live in London. We see some of the Arabs drive down, what have you, with their different Lamborghinis every other week. Some of these young kids, they've never worked a day in their life because daddy and granddaddy and great-granddaddy live on land where there's oil. They've got no sense of worth. Money is just everywhere, so I can buy anything I want. So they don't even know what life's about. And like I said in the beginning, you see, the key with us is purpose. You have to awaken to the fact that you have divine purpose, that you're part of this plan. The church is this incredibly put together divine. Listen, listen. The church of Almighty God is this perfectly designed, this perfectly engineered machine. And all these components like computers and chips and everything, that the interchanges that take take place through the electrical conduits and what have you, just like the human brain we spoke about. All of us are intricate parts of this machine called the church. And that's why Paul says in, that, in Ephesians, that other place, that when he talks about how God gave gifts to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, for the equipping of the church that they might do the work of the ministry. Until the, we all, you know, can it really mean that? Until we all come to the fullness of the stature of the character of Christ himself? That's what he's expecting to happen. And because he said it, you know what? It's going to happen for somebody. Why not us? Seriously, see, why not you? Why not you? Why not you make a way in your thinking to believe that God can turn your whole world upside down in a moment? Why, why, why not you? See, that part of your thinking... I'm not worthy. See, that that's, still comes down to, well, not me, not me because of this, because of that, because of whatever. You don't even know you do it because it's so ingrained in you. That's why it says you have to take the word of God and let it engrave itself, that you receive the engraved word of God that it might save your souls, your thinking processes, your emotions, your thought lives. But why not you? Why not this church? You don't get moved by where you are right now. You see what God sees. You have to see it before you can have it. Why don't you see what God sees? And see, this is what happens. When you begin to stay in this book, and like I said last week, and I'll repeat that again, I know that my life right now, I'm in this place in life where I have the freedom to be in this book five hours every morning. 
I know that you can't because you of work and different things that you do. But the thing is, what I know about his grace, what I'm learning about his mercy and his grace is, if you have a heart to know him, he can show you in 15 minutes what he's shown me in my five hours. But see, can you believe that? Can you actually release faith that the spirit of God in you who created everything, who was over the face of the earth, brooding over the face of the earth, waiting for God to speak so he could actually create, take God's word, use it as fuel, make everything. Can you actually believe that he's in you right now? But now, the force is in you. But it really is. Wasn't even trying to make an allusion to it, Carol. But it's true. The force of God. And, you know, like I tell people, leave me alone in my fantasy if you think it's a fantasy. But it's not a fantasy because I know this is God-breathed. And so the whole thing is you have to be delivered from thinking about a law, a, a, a book about do's and don'ts, which is what most people outside the church, they think church means you're going to be told what to do and what not to do. And again, in verse 27, it said, then what becomes of our pride or boasting? It's excluded, banished, ruled out entirely. In other words, the whole issue of doing has been banished. The whole issue of right standing with God, being acceptable to God, all the issue, the idea of you having to do something, the idea of you having to do something to be accepted has been banished. That's what Jesus did. He nailed that thing to the cross, the bill of handwriting that was it's banished. See, you got and you gotta recognize it, and that's why Paul says in other places. You know, you're still living according to the material elements of the world. You're worried about stuff like touch not this, taste not that, do not this. Do, don't, do, don't. He said, that's been banished. And see, when you start thinking that way, again, that's where the devil comes in and goes, it can't be that good. I mean, it can't be that good. I mean, really, God can't mean that. But see... God has faith in his anointing that's in his word that his goodness will not cause you to go astray. Your goodness, his goodness will cause you to come near. This is why you're almost afraid of goodness. Because you've never actually seen pure good. You've seen good that can be contaminated or good that changes from day to day depending on the attitude of the person that you're looking for good through. You see, he's not like shadows of turning. He remains the same for eternity. He never changes. He is good, altogether good. Verse 28, for we hold that a man is justified for we hold that a man is justified, made upright by faith. See, I believe. I don't figure it out. I have made the, I just, I've made the choice. I believe. Well, explain it to me. You can't explain. See, explain means be in the brain. Explain means figure it out. But Paul, that's why he says so clearly in Romans 10, you believe where you believe is with the heart. It's your heart believes. There's no figuring. 
There's no figuring. Does God mean this? Does God mean that? Does God mean this? Does God mean that? Does God mean that? You just suddenly, you go, I, it's a choice. I believe. I believe. This is the word. Jesus said, this is the word. That you believe on him whom the Father has sent. That's the only work. Believe. There's no more law. That's what this whole thing. The only law that there is. The only law there is right now is the what we call the royal law of love. The one commandment that remains is love. Because it says in five different places, if you catch that commandment, all the other stuff is summed up and taken care of if you got that one commandment. Love. Love. He adores me. And he adores you. And nothing will ever separate you from that because he doesn't change. Now, I'm going to get something in a couple minutes. It gets important about, well, what about the pain? And like I said, that we go through in life. And this is, again, something, may as well quote her now, First Timothy 6.12. There's, oh, my God, I, I could take a couple hours to teach on it. First Timothy 6.12, I guess they're going to put it up real quick. It says, fight the good fight of faith. And it says, lay hold on eternal life whereunto you've been called, right? Right? It's the Greek words there. I actually, funny enough, I just had some time this morning because we woke up real early. And I went back to my lexicons and it's these Greek words are agonizomai. It says to agonize the good agony. <laughs> because it speaks, because it's talking about something here. It's really incredible. To, it's a good fight. And like you've heard other preachers say, good fight is one that you win. But actually, that's not what these words mean. It means good from the sense of having the revelation of being a spectator and not the one going through it. It means to be outside of yourself while this fight happens. And what Paul is speaking to is that you and I on this earth right now can live outside of ourselves as ourselves go through the stuff we go through. But that's heavy. Let me, let me ask you this question. You see, no matter how much pain, stuff we can't explain down here. Well, how, what if I offered you, uh, what if I say I'm going to pay for you to have one solid year in the most beautiful island paradise in all the earth. And for that entire, you can have your, best friends with you. You can have the best food you want. You can have the greatest activities you want. You can have all of this one absolutely free. A whole year, 12 months, 365 days of absolute, absolute luxury and joy and friendship and food and everything that goes along with it. You can have this for a solid year for, except for one little stipulation. You're going to have to go through one millisecond. A milli is a thousandth of a second, right? This is the only stipulation. I'll give this year to you on this island paradise with whatever friends you want to take, whatever food, you'll have anything, everything will be perfect. But you, you need to understand this. All you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go through one millisecond of real pain. How many of you would take that as a deal anyhow? You'd say yes. 
Yes. If you knew a millisecond of pain, a thousandth of a second, eek, <laughs> a whole lot less than that, a whole lot less than eek, that, and you've got a solid year of absolute pleasure, absolute friendship. Well, again, I, I'd say, yeah, in a hot second. I mean, a hot millisecond, <laughs> right? But, you hear, but see, this is what we don't understand. Right now, right now, our entire life is that millisecond compared to eternal life. See, what we're going through, we don't have the right sight. What we're going through right now, we have been made to live eternally. This is but a vapor. You have to lay hold. It's a very strong word about seize. It is a warfare word. It means to capture, to make your own. And it speaks of this great extreme, uh, what's the word it used? It wasn't violence. It started with the V, though. I can't remember what it was. Vehement. This vehement seizing of the fact that the, the prize, because it spoke about athletics or war, the lay hold of eternal life, that was the crown. All of this was speaking about the Greek athletic games. All of Paul's churches, every church that Paul founded uh, was full of Greeks. And that was part of their, the athletic games were basically their entire culture. That's why even when Rome conquered Greece, Rome took upon itself Greeks' culture as far as all the amphitheater and all the races and athletics and stuff. But the prize, Paul said, he knew this, is the eternal life that you and I have right now. So I'm down here right now. I've been, I, my millisecond right now has been 71 years. But it's a millisecond compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to you and I. It's a millisecond. Now listen, see, you're not really hearing me, I can tell it. If that actually if you actually possess that understanding, see, you're able to, again, step outside a bit. And, okay, I'm not going to panic. No matter how much it hurts right now, no matter how much this betrayal hurts, no matter how much I wish I don't understand why my child died from cancer, I don't understand why my child fell into a swimming pool at 16 months and drowned. I don't understand it either. But I know this much. God never changes. And I know that he's love. And all he provides is comfort. Because he knows. that's why he sent this son who would be tempted, tested, and tried. with Anything and everything that you and I would ever go through. Think about that. If we, he was tempted, he was tested, he was tried... In all ways, it says, like as we were, yet he was without sin. He did that for us because of the plan that God had put in motion for him to redeem all mankind back to him. Hallelujah. We're the prize. The Bible says we're God's portion. <laughs> we're God's portion. So you have to begin to see... This is a millisecond. I'm not going to flip out by trying to figure out everything because I'm laying hold on the great prize that I possess right now. He that hath the Son hath life.
eternal life. I have eternal life. I said, I have, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the eternity is already residing on the inside of you. And this is why he says you need to lay hold of it because that's what will keep your mind. That's what will protect your mind. That's where the peace of God will come and rule and reign in your mind because you'll begin to live outside. We, I said it, we live in another realm. Is anybody actually here? Am I, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm just talking to the floor or what. I don't look for reaction often, but it's like, I'm, I don't know if you guys are asleep, you're mad, you're angry, upset, careless, or whatever. No, no, I'm not trying to get a rise out of you. I'm really not. But it's just, this is, see, the devil hates, he don't want you to catch this. Please hear that. You lay hold on eternal life. You, you capture this truth that you are, that this righteousness that I have right now, it's not just about me. It's about the whole, it's about all of Israel. I mean, it's a, it's a trip when you begin to see it from that angle. God loves his people. And he said, I know they're stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-headed people. So I'm going to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to love them to the point that it's going to drive the Jews nuts. Really, that's what it says. I'm sorry, but that's what it says. And then people say, well, then is all, all, all Israel going to be lost? No, no, no. And like he goes, Paul says real clear in Romans 9, Romans 10, no, are you kidding me? Ain't no way. That's where he tells us to remember that some of their branches, they've been cut off, but the root's holy. And we've been grafted in to the root. Hallelujah. That's why it says you better not boast against the branches that were cut off because you can be broken off for the very same problem. Hard-headedness, stubborn, self-willed, all that stuff. Right? But see, all of this is part of a plan. And I, I, I said, when I keep saying this, God's plans work. You better believe it. You better believe in the fact that it works. Now, Father, God, help me. There's too much, too many scriptures. Verse 28, for we hold that a man is justified, made upright by faith, independent of and distinctly apart from good deeds and works of the law. The observance of law has nothing, has nothing, has nothing to do with justification. Then Romans 4, verse 3, I'm just going to try to go fast now for just a moment, is when it says, what does the scripture? Paul begins to bring to them, all of the church here at Rome, this whole understanding of how they look to Abraham. They call Abraham their father, but he, you know, he's telling them, but the children of Abraham aren't children of the flesh of Abraham. They're children that are born of the same promise that Abraham had. And he said, that's who you are, that if you're in Christ, that you too are heirs. You're heirs of the same promise. You've got to remember, Christ redeemed us from the curse, not from the blessing. Every blessing you read in the Old Testament is ours today. I said every blessing. Every blessing. But see, you need to start seeing that I actually qualify for this. And you know how? By one small thing. I believe in Jesus Christ. That's all it takes. Now, where people got in trouble back then, in fact, even in the... Father, help me. And when I read the Martin Lloyd-Jones statement, he uses words, he uses this word, he said that people that were really got upset with this message accused him of being an antinomian. Nomos means law or rule. Anti means against. And so basically they said that we're saying that by this message that, again, there's no law at all. But see, we're not saying there's no law 
at all. There's no law of Moses. There's no law of do's and don'ts anymore. But there is a law called love. And see, what they, they, they think that when we preach grace, that we're saying we won't be subject to moral law. That's the phrase that's so vital here. God knows that if goodness really comes to you, the very fact, the, one, the, one of the, the major virtue of goodness is morality, good morality. But they think that by teaching that God is this good, that you're telling people to do anything. But no, see, they miss the whole formula. They miss how, how they miss the power of God. They stumble at the stumbling block. They miss the power of God. Now, he knows this truth. When the real truth hits you of the real goodness of God, like I said, it creates in you an absolute desire to never do anything that would distance yourself from that love. It's good to know how good God is. Help me, Lord. For what does the scripture say, Romans 4.3? Abraham believed in God and it was credited. You've heard me say, you know, when you believed, right standing with God was put into your bank account. Right? Now, um, <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. All of Romans 4, he talks about Abraham here and how he uses this whole situation to prove that righteousness doesn't come from works. And then, let me, but let me, let me go ahead and read some from Romans 4, verse 20. Let me start there, Romans 4, 4 verse 20. Thanks, John. Speaking about him. Verse 19 is where he said he didn't weaken in faith when he considered his own body as old, 100 years old. But verse 20 says, No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly question concerning the promises of God. You know that you can get there? I said you can get there? Where there's simply no distrust? And you actually believe he promised you actually believe, but see, to believe the promise, you first have to believe that good is who gave the promise. Good, in whom there's no shadow of turning, as in an eclipse. No, no. Good made the promise. Good said, I'll give you any stuff you want. As long as I got your heart, you can have every earthly blessing in abundance. I'm telling you, it's important to get your heart right. <laughs> People want stuff, but they're going after stuff instead of going after God. Stuff comes when you serve God, when you actually serve Him, not just attend church. No unbelief or distrust made Him waver, doubting the question concerning the promise of God, but He grew strong. He was empowered by faith. And guess what? This is, comes right back to this thing about why we believe so much in music and praise and worship. He grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise. I said, as he gave praise and glory to God. This is when, listen, listen. So you're not seeing it. This is when Abraham was waiting. 
I said, he's waiting. It's 12 years. God said, come look at the stars. Your seed will be more than the multitude of the stars. Abraham believed. Well, is it going to happen next month? Well, I have a new car in February. Will I? I don't know. But see, you have to not care. See, this gets tough, like I said, because you got to get to the place, like I said, is I'm going to believe God is good whether I am never healed or not. See, I get outside of the millisecond. You have to live outside of this millisecond that we're going through and begin to see the eternity, to lay hold, to seize. I've got eternity. I'm an, I'm, I'm an, I'm an eternal being. I'm down here for a moment. So because I'm down here, why not make the most of it? Why not get so silly that you actually believe God? Why not go ahead and believe that what God said you can have, you can have? Like I said earlier, why not you? I don't know. I keep saying this about DeAndre. I don't know why, but DeAndre, I don't know why God's put you in my heart so strong all the time. But I mean, I, you are going to be a multimillionaire. I just know that. I mean, I know that like I know I'm sitting on this silly chair. It's just like I'm not praying about it. I'm not even prophesying about it. I just, it's just, I know. Because I know he'll handle it. There's something in me. I know that he's spirit. He's still flesh. He's still dumb in some areas. Like all of us are. But he's going to, but he, but he's got something. But see, I could probably name some others that I have a sense in my spirit. Not as, I'm just being honest, not as strong as the other. But there's others, like I said, you're going to have a lot. But you're going to have to catch this first. But it's okay. You can have this as long as you understand the one who wants to give it to you and why he wants to give it to you. Anyhow, God, God, anyhow. No unbelief or distrust, blah, blah, blah. But he was empowered by faith. So while you're waiting, I said, while you're waiting? See, I'm waiting. You're waiting. While you're waiting, you're empowered by the fact that I've made, I believe. And I'm going to just keep giving praise and glory to God. I praise you. Well, why? You don't have it yet. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. Well, that's not the point. He's God. I praise you. You're God. You're good. You're altogether magnificent. You are good. And your loving kindness and your mercy endure forever. That is what I know to be absolutely true. I don't even have to concern about having faith for it. It is so. It is so. It is so. It is so. And Abraham, for 12 years, gave praise and glory to God. No unbelief or distrust made him waver. Can you imagine? And that's why God said, this dude is the father of faith. Finding this guy. But it says that we're heirs. We're the seed of Abraham because of our belief in Christ, because all, all that went to him. Verse 21, he was fully satisfied. I don't know if I should read this stuff or not, because I won't be able to get to anything else. God. He was fully satisfied. He was assured that God was able and mighty 
to keep his word and to do what he promised. I mean, he was, I know my God's mighty. Do you see this is why to me every morning, like I said, my five hour trip. And again, God help me. I'm not trying to boast. God knows I'm not. I'm so I'm overwhelmingly grateful, but I'm saying you're 15 minutes of actually, you got to read this a little bit and you got to stop and just look at it and read it out loud. You can't skim this stuff that came from heaven and expect it to impact you. You, you just, this is how I, this is every morning. I, I, and I stop and I go, wow. I, and I put myself, I always make it personal. No unbelief is going to make me waver. I'm going to grow strong. I'm going to grow stronger and stronger. I'm going to be empowered by the fact that I believe. And I'm going to keep giving praise and glory to God. And Father, I thank you that you fully satisfy me. And I thank you. I'm going to be a man that is assured that you are able and mighty to keep your word and to do what you promised. Because you know what? I'm not good enough in myself to want some of these things. And you say, that's pride. No. Do you think you're that good in yourself? that you want to pray for people and see them healed, that you want to see people come out of wheelchairs. Do you think that you're that good? You think that came from you? You have to believe God puts stuff in you. And see, I know this can want to heal or want to see healing as well. And that's okay to a degree, but that's danger zone. That's danger zone. Because then you start to try to figure out as if you're the healer. No, 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 no. But Jesus, it says, his bowels of compassion. He was moved with bowels of compassion. That meant the inner working, his inside, his oh, father you be made whole, be healed, be made whole, arise, walk, take up your bed and walk. And see, you're not good in your, enough in yourself. I, I'm to want that new car or to want you. When you actually begin to see that God says, I'm a, I'll give you desires. Now, you got to be careful. He didn't say, I'll give you anything you want. He said, I'm going to give you desires. But you have to believe that some desires come from him. It's like people might still doubt about what's going to happen with this church. But I'm telling you, I know what God said. I know all these years I've been serving him. I know there's only been these few times where I knew that 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 I heard. I mean, I knew I heard God. I'm just not one of those prophets of whatever thing. Hear something every five seconds, whatever. So. Bless you, Simon. He's got to go because he's got a meeting he's going to be at. But listen to me. I'm not one of those guys. But when he said to me, I've re- again, he said, I have released hundreds of people to come to this church because he said they must hear the teaching that I'm allowing you and others to bring. They're very, and see, God, see, I'm, I'm not talking about me. I have nothing to glory at. I have, but I've had to own the truth that he put something in me that helps, that teaches people. He's put something in me that 
allows the word of God to come out to where suddenly light begins to come. It's, I, it's, but see, he's done the same in every one of you. If there's no one in here that God hasn't gifted. It's just that hell's been really good at covering up gifts in people for so long that some people are afraid to own it. You have to own it for it to be for it to activate. You just have to. You know, I was sitting in there this. I was sitting there this morning. I think no, it was last night or this morning. And I just looking out here at the chairs. I don't know. I just glanced at hardly anybody was here. And out of nowhere, I hear this. Soon and very soon, there'll be no more room. Soon and very soon, there won't be. There won't. There will be no more room. Soon and very soon, <laughs> there will be no more room. And I just sat there and smiled. And I, like I said, even saying it publicly now, some of you might think whatever you want to think. I don't. But see, I'm past caring about stuff anymore. I just know God's. He needs to do this. Hallelujah. Because we need more people to do what God's asked us to, to help us carry out our assignment. Hallelujah. That's why he's going to make some people millionaires and he's going to bring some millionaires to us. But see, I'm not sweating. That's not my job to figure out. Hallelujah. I'm free. I always remember John Osteen, Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen used to come and teach a lot when I was at Ramah with Brother Hagen because they were such close friends. And uh, I don't know why this just reminds me. Of John Osteen said this young man came to the church there. You know how huge, you know, the church is there in, uh, in uh, Houston. And, you know, this church that Joel's now the pastor of. Anyhow, and he said this young man came. And he said, I'd like to be uh, Pastor Osteen. I just I admire you so much. I'd love to be like your intern, can I just follow you around during the week here at church? Can I follow you around for a few weeks just because I want to learn of you? <laughs> you have to know John Osteen, country guy, sense of humor, just incredible man of God, credible faith, powerful, magnificent healings. And uh, John said, well, sure, okay, all right. And he said, this, this guy started following him around. He said a week went by, two weeks went by. Three weeks went by, and he said, "Why?" This intern walked up to him and said, "Brother Osteen," he said, "Yeah." And he said, "You know, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to come around here anymore. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. I hope you don't mind." And he said, "Well, no, that's all right. How come?" And he said, "Well," he said, "Quite frankly, he said I've been following you around three weeks, and he says you don't do anything." <laughs> he said, "You don't do anything." He said, "You just walk around and smile and and greet people and and uh, he said and just pray in tongues all the time. That's all you do." And he said, I, he, he said, I laughed so hard. He said, that's what I'm called to do. <laughs> I'm called to think. I'm called to have creation happen inside of me. I'm called to pray. I'm called to be compassionate and kind to my. It's not like there's some formula you put to work that makes everything function. Now, there are some pastors that are incredibly administratively gifted. And as any of you will know, if you have any insight at all, I ain't one of them. Hallelujah. And I know that. So I thank God for my wife. Thank God for Bobby. People like, my God, you know, otherwise I'd be out sitting in the car picking my nose probably. I don't know what I'd be doing. Sorry. But God has a plan here. We're in a unique, honestly, I'm not trying to build us up. I'm just telling you what I know. We have this unique fingerprint. He is going to bring it to pass. Because he wants to, just like Ephesians, because it was his kind intent, because he wanted to. That's what he wants to do with us. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to hang around and watch what he does. I, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Anyhow, so 
I'm fully satisfied and I'm assured that God's able and mighty to keep his word and do what he promised. Verse 22 then says of Romans 4, that's why his faith was credited to him, credited to him as righteousness, as right standing with God. But the words it was credited to him were written not for his sake alone, but they were written for our sakes too. Righteousness, standing acceptable to God, will be granted and credited to us also who believe in, trust in, adhere to, and rely on God who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who is betrayed and he was put to death because of our misdeeds, and he was raised to secure my justification, my acquittal. He made my account balance, and he absolved me from all guilt before God. Hallelujah. Now see, I've made my decision. I believe that. I'm, and I'm learning, I'm still, believe me, i still got L plates on, but I'm learning to really walk past the sea. I don't, what about this? What, no, no, it's not a what. I don't, I'm not going to live in what about. I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to live there anymore. Hallelujah. He's made my account balance. Now, I don't have, now, like I said, I honestly, because I'm a Bible school guy in my heart, I, I wish I could walk you through expositorily every single chapter of Romans. I, I would love to just walk you through the whole thing and where you can actually, and this is why I want you to be students. I always used to quote when I do conferences, I always quote Acts 17:11. It's where Paul says, those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they, listen, they received the word from teachers. They received the word with readiness of mind. But, listen, but they searched the scriptures daily, daily, whether or not those things were so. And see, this is why I don't want you to believe anything I actually say. I really don't. I want you to go see it for yourself. I want you to go see it for yourself. But when you see it, you become responsible. But that's beautiful. Because that's when he begins to show himself alive to you. And it's, he's so personal. You've heard me say it so many times. He's a God of individuality. He will love you like you need to be loved. He will cause a satisfaction, a joy to come on the inside of you that is so overwhelmingly bigger than a new car or a woman or a man, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a job. You become so overwhelmingly fulfilled in him. That's what his goodness does. It drives lust out of you. It just breaks the power and the attraction of that. But that's when heaven now goes. He's up there going, okay, angels, get ready. This one's just about ready. He's, I'm, I'm, now I'm just about to show him I'm going to pour out earthly blessing in abundance. Just because he's not earthly minded now anymore. He's heavenly minded. He's up here with me. So go ahead and let's let him have all the earthly blessings he wants. Because he's only going to testify about me and my love. That's all he's going to say. My God loves me this much. And other people are going, you mean God's interested in those areas of your life? Yeah, he brought me the right wife. Thank God, thank God. He brought me, oh, thank God you brought me the right wife. And he did. Hallelujah. 
thank God for the right mate. Woo! <laughs> really, I've got the best. For me, she perfectly, you know, isn't it a trip when you really go back there and you think about how woman and man came out of the God we serve. And so the woman is the feminine part of God. And we're supposed to be the masculine part. But when you get feminine, masculine, and you get the right man and the right woman together, you have an actually a whole much fuller expression about God in whole. Isn't that neat? That's what it's supposed to be. But see, it's awesome when you have a wife that understands that too. And she knows I'm 100% different than her. We make jokes about it all the time. And she's 100% different from me. And see, the devil wants us to argue about it instead of celebrate it. Hallelujah. He was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds. Yeah, I'm, I'll just, I'm going to stop. He was betrayed. This, this actually happened, you know. We're not, like I said, it's got to become more than text. Right? Right? This, God breathed this stuff. This is, this is sacred because it's perfect truth. It's absolute truth. There's no shadow of turning in God's breath. It's truth. Truth carries absolute authority. Nothing carries greater authority than something that's true. Who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds. And he was raised to secure my justification, your acquittal, making your account balance, and absolving you from all guilt before God. My goodness. Well, I didn't get anywhere near as far as I wanted to get. Um, I'm not sure, like I said, in the following, coming up Sundays, I mean, Julius speak next Sunday, but um, I got, I think I've got, I've got at least one Sunday, I think, in December, where I'll really speak. Jamie, I've asked, Jamie's going to speak on, on a Sunday here, so hallelujah, hope he uses the Bible. <laughs> but please, as, as I stop this morning, again, see, my charge to all of you consistently is going to be just that, like I quoted in Acts 17, 11. Please search the scriptures yourself. It will pay dividends. But right now, I understand that you can't not. You can't. You just won't be able to understand yet. But this is God's breathed wisdom. That by this, that scripture, some of his wisdom says, it's been designed to lift you out of the earth into the glory of his presence. It it's lifts you. This truth lifts you. The New Testament, like I keep saying, stay in the New Testament. It will, it's going to lift you. And you know what? You need to be lifted. The world does this. God does this. Everything about our Father lifts us to something better. See, I hate this. I'm, 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 I'm going to 
eight-hour Bible school. We were talking about it. I'm just going to so I'm going to change church. I'm going to bless it. We maybe only have 15 people, but I think for now we're going to start church at 10 and finish at five. I just you know stop for 10 minutes between each hour, just like we do in the Bible school. Just to, like I said, there may be only 10 people, five people, but selfishly I'll be fulfilled. <laughs> we believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 